Well, hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. On our podcast this week, we'll travel to Colombia to learn about a new luxury resort that's opening soon called the Canoa Lodge. And one place that's always intrigued me was the island of Bermuda. It's kind of stuck out in the middle of the Atlantic. So a little bit later, we'll head to the island of Bermuda to see what it's like to spend a week or so there. And when it comes to travel rewards credit cards, what's in your wallet? Well, Rewards Canada recently came out with their list of the top travel rewards credit cards for 2019. So we begin our podcast talking about that with Rewards Canada founder Patrick Soika, and he joins us now. Hi, Patrick. Hi, Randy. Thanks for having me on the show again. Yeah, well, always a pleasure. When it comes to uh, travel rewards cards and uh, those types of things, you are a go-to guy, and you just came out with your 11th annual list of the top travel rewards credit cards. So uh, let's just jump right into it. Who is the, what's the best one this year? That's right. So for the second year now, it's the American, American Express Cobalt card. It's a, kind of a well-rounded um, rewards card. Actually, most of the ones that are in our top five are well-rounded. They offer a little bit of everything. But the reason that one is on top is just it's points earning for, for food, eats, and drinks, and restaurants. It's five points per dollar. Um, which is which is quite large. I mean, redeeming that towards any travel, that's 5% back. Or if you go kind of a, a longer route, convert it to Marriott, convert it to one of the 40 airlines that, that uh, Marriott partners with, you're, you're earning well over two miles per dollar. And there's very few cards, if, if any, that earn that in Canada. So it's just got a really strong earn rate, and that's why it's up top there. Well, that's awesome. Uh, I suppose that's one of the things you look for when you uh, choose your top cards is the, is you, what you call the, a good earn rate. So you're actually uh, earning uh, not just a good number of points for your purchases, but also a wide variety of purchases, right? Exactly. That's right. And that's, you know, and that brings us to some of our other cards. Um, you know, my favorite categories, like we break down our, our rankings into five different categories and there's a hybrid category. And that's what this Cobalt card is because it has its points for its own program, but also you can convert, like we said, via Marriott and that, because that's what makes it a hybrid. And that's um, three out of the top five cards are hybrid cards. There's the RBC Visa Internet Avion. It's fifth in our rankings. The reason why it's, it's redemption's a little tougher. They're, they're a little more strict, I guess, a little less flexible on the redemption side when you re- use their own points for their own travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, still a great value, but just not as flexible as, say, the American Express cards. But you can convert their, their points to British Airways, Cathay Pacific, WestJet. So it just gives you, you know, that much more flexibility in where you want to use your points. You know, you're not stuck with just one program. You can, you know, move them all about. Um, same with uh, our fourth place card, Starwood Preferred Guest Credit Card from Air Express. And that, now that's just a hotel card. But again, as we just mentioned earlier, you can convert those points to over 40 different airlines. So again, just so many different options from that card. Um, and rounding out our uh, top five, we're kind of going a backwards route. Uh, mm-hmm. Third place was the WestJet RBC World Elite MasterCard, which I think a lot of your listeners probably have or, or probably would be interested in. Because not only is the WestJet Rewards Program easy to use, it just works like a cash back program, but that card has so many benefits, like your first bag free, mm-hmm. if you don't pay for your checked luggage for you and up to eight people on your reservation. So that can provide just huge savings. Like, you know, you have a family of four flying to Disneyland, um, you all have checked baggage. It's, it's um, I think it's now $30. Yeah, so you're looking at over $100 uh, each way, right? Each way, yeah. yeah. $200, and this card only costs 100 what is it, 100, $120, $139. i would have to double check, so I don't have that in front of me. Yeah. But it, it right away, it's providing huge value. You know, you're saving money just by having a card on that luggage. 
And then you also have your companion fares where you can buy one ticket at whatever price they're, you know, WestJet selling it on their website. And then you can get a second ticket to anywhere in North America for $99, the Sun Destinations for $299, like Hawaii, Mexico, mm-hmm. or to Europe for $399. So that's where you can even get more savings. If you're buying, say, a $700 ticket, your second ticket's only $99 plus the taxes. So uh, just a lot of benefits on that card outside of just its earn and redeem. It, just, mm-hmm. it brings a lot to, you know, to the table. Um, oh, you, I don't think we touched upon the second place card, American Express Gold Rewards card. Okay. Similar to the Cobalt card, um, this one's strong because it has direct conversion to Aeroplan and British Airways, and it earns two points per dollar on travel, uh, grocery, gas stations, and drugstores. So basically, it's earning two Aeroplan miles or British Airways uh, Avios uh, for that type of spending. So again, strong, but it also has its own proprietary program too because it's a hybrid program. So again, just a little bit of everything in these cards uh, that round out our top five. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, on the one side, good earning power. The other side, flexibility. I suppose uh, is the one drawback with WestJet is you have to fly WestJet and, and their partners? That's correct, yeah. It's, it's WestJet and their partners. So Air France, Delta, KLM, Qantas, you can you can redeem for flights on all those airlines now. Um, and, you know, then they're adding things like their business class. They're going to the true two-by-two uh, mm. two premium economy on their 737s. And that's where those companion passes. You can't use the companion passes on business class, but you can use them on that two by two premium on their seven thirty seven. So that that can provide some big big savings too. Um, you know, you're looking at tickets at maybe over a thousand dollars each, and you can get a second one for ninety nine dollars mm-hmm. or two hundred ninety nine dollars. Great deal there. Yeah, well, I didn't want to make it sound like, oh, you have to fly WestJet. <laughs> no, 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 exactly. But, it's, yeah, but, it is, yeah. but it does West limit your, your choices, exactly. though, right? That's right. And I yeah. suppose the same, you could say the same with Aeroplan. Uh, you have to fly with uh, the Aeroplan partners, right? That, that's correct. And that's why, that's why we love those hybrid cards, because they give you both options. Mm-hmm. You know, you can choose, like, the, like American Express, when you convert to Aeroplan, it's instant. So you could actually hold on to your points in American Express and open up an Aeroplan tab on your on your browser, find an award flight, and if say you have, and, and, and that's where you know, a lot of the sticking points are with Aeroplan, is finding the right flight. And if you happen to have the right flights there, well, on your other tab, have your Amex open, transfer the points, wait about a minute or two, and then you can go ahead and book those flights while they're open on your other tab. Mm-hmm. So good. It, like that, that's a huge benefit. Yeah, well, good advice. Always great chatting with uh, Patrick Soika. He's uh, the founder of Rewards Canada. You can find all kinds of information that we just don't have time to delve into on the Rewards Canada website, rewardscanada.ca, what kind of cards are the best, the list of the top cards for this year, and so on and so forth. Uh, always pleasure chatting, Patrick. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, Randy. Well, I always like it when there's new resorts opening up, and there is one opening soon in Columbia. It's called the Canoe Lodge, and one of the co-founders of the Canoe Lodge is Nathan Rogers, and the website for that is canoe.com. Hi, Nathan. Hello, how are you today? I'm well, thank you. Uh, give me some background on the story of the Canoe Lodge. I understand it's not quite opened yet, but soon, but uh, how did it all come about? Well, uh, it started with uh, a friend of mine and I who met here, Brian and I. He's uh, also from the States. Um, We both came separately, didn't know each other, met here in Spanish school about four and a half years ago. Uh, Met a Colombian uh, friend, Santi, and the three of us started to talk about ideas, and Brian and I decided that we 
fell in love with Medellin. We wanted to stay. We wanted to see how we could make our lives here. Um, we saw that Colombia had uh, been going through, obviously, people know the history of Colombia. It still has, uh, uh, brings a lot of um, negative uh, thoughts into a lot of people's minds, especially with shows like Narcos uh, that have been so popular lately. But the reality is very different. And Colombia has come out of that past, and it is a beautiful, amazing country. And uh, it's a country that is very easy to fall in love with, and especially mm-hmm. where we live in Medellin. Uh, it's called the City of Eternal Spring because the weather here is perfect. Um, right now, you know, there's a polar vortex in uh, a good portion <laughs> of the state where I'm from, yes. and uh, we don't have to deal with that at any point of the year. It's always about uh, between 20 and 25 degrees here, and so um, people are discovering that. People were discovering that, starting to discover that four years ago when we got here, um, and it's even more so today. But we saw that there was not enough uh, available outside of the cities. And even in the cities at the time, it was, it was limited. But you could come to Bogota, Medellin, Cartagena uh, as a foreigner and find things to do, find decent hotels. But if you wanted to go outside of the cities, it was a very difficult thing. And it still isn't easy, and there's still not a lot on offer. Um, Colombia is considered the, the second most biodiverse country on the planet. Why is that? Because it has 1% of the Earth's land surface and 10% of the Earth's species. So there are more bird species here than any other country on the planet, more orchid species, for example. Um, so there's an incredible biodiversity. Columbia spans the Amazon. It touches the Pacific coast. It has the Caribbean coast. And then uh, in the center part of the Columbia, there's a, what's called the plains, Los Llanos, which is like the plains in the U.S. It's a very flat. Uh, endless uh, prairie land. And then where we live here in Medellin and Bogota, um, this is part of the Andes. And so we are in the mountains. And so there's a vast variety of ecosystems and, and biodiversity and cultures and traditions. And we wanted to help explore that. We wanted to help show that to, to people who, who want to come and at the same time um, have good food, stay mm. in a comfortable place. And so that's how we started this idea over four years ago. It's been a, a long journey. Um, we are coming to the end of the first part of the journey, which is, is getting the, the lodge built. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously the next phase will be, we'll be bringing people down and showing them uh, the beauty of our region, which is um, this part of Antioch. It's called Antiochia. It's like a, a province. Um, and so we're in the eastern part of Antioquia, about an hour and a half from Medellin, so uh, in 45 minutes from the international airport. So uh, it's, been a, it's been a journey. Uh, the three of us started with a dream. Um, we wanted from the very beginning for Kanua to have as part of its DNA, part of its identity, sustainability, as well as a, a, a promise to uh, implement permaculture principles. Permaculture is a Kind of a design philosophy that grew out in, a, in Australia in the 70s that takes inspiration from observing how nature works and trying to implement the concepts and the ideas of nature into our own built environment so that we um, can provide for ourselves, but also in a way that's regenerative, in a way that provides for other um, living creatures and, and plants uh, that we also depend on. So it sees us as part of a, 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 the ecosystem, um, not above it, not below it, but part of it. And we have a responsibility to do, to do um, our, uh, play our role in, in an effective way so that other species and other things that we need to have uh, flourish and thrive can also mm. do that. So um, that was part of our commitment from the beginning. And so as part of the final hotel, um, people will be able to come. We have 10 rooms. 
and we have eight cabanas. Cabana is the Spanish word for cabin. Um, there is private spaces. We will have uh, gardens that are both uh, decorative that show the amazing diversity, the flowers, and attract butterflies and hummingbirds. Um, but we'll also have uh, several acres of permaculture garden that help feed um, our restaurant, which we want to have, which will show the the bounty of Colombia. I've lived and traveled in a lot of countries, and there are almost none that have the bounty of Colombia in terms of the fruits and the vegetables. Um, and it's a year-round harvest, and so we really want people to be able to come down and see all of the, the best exotic fruits and vegetables and fresh foods and, and see what Colombia has to offer, both from a culinary perspective as well as from a biodiversity, and to introduce people to our neighbors so that they can see how people live uh, in, the, in the Colombian countryside where we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's part of the dream. That's what we've been working to, to make a reality. Um, we've uh, been able to surround ourselves with a lot of people to, to help us make that a reality. Obviously, three people alone can't do it, um, but we have developed a community, and we're excited for, for people to come down and be part of that community with us. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been to Cartagena, and I agree. Uh, Colombia is a very beautiful country, and it's sort of is held back by that stigma that you mentioned before, but it's uh, coming over the hump. I think people are more open to, to going to Colombia and seeing and, and exploring the whole countryside. Uh, and you're almost there. So when is the opening day? We are planning to be open by May. So we'll, we're planning to have a kind of a soft opening with some friends and family and select guests during April and be open to the public by, by May of this year. That is our plan. And uh, so we're working full, full steam on that. It's a, construction project and that always brings challenges in any part of the world mm-hmm. um, but because we're building on a mountain and one of the things that's really interesting about what we're doing um, part of that commitment to sustainability is the materials that we're using are um, to the extent possible uh, sustainable so the two principal building materials uh, besides the, the structure and the foundation um, is one that's bamboo which locally here in South America is called guadua um, and then the other are called compressed earth blocks. And what we do with that is normally on a construction project, um, when you do excavations, and in our case, we, we did our best to limit the excavation so that we wouldn't uh, harm the mountain that we're, we're, we're located on. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's always dirt to be moved. And normally, uh, you have to pay to remove that dirt, and you have to have uh, truck after truck after truck come and take that dirt and dispose of it at another place. Um, with the compressed earth blocks, what we do is we take that, earth, 80 tons of it, and we convert it into the building itself. And we do that by taking what's a traditional building material, which is earth, um, and kind of a traditional concept, which in in the U.S. we call adobe. Um, Here it's called tapia, which is compressing that earth. Um, But what we do is we do it with a machine. So that machine makes bricks that that have the same resistance, the same stability of a cement block or of a a traditional uh, fired brick. But we make them on site, and they don't require uh, an oven to to be heated uh, to be to reach that level of stability. They can dry in the shade, and so we've taken what is normally a waste material, uh, what normally requires a lot of transport to dispose of, especially from a remote site like ours, um, and normally also additional transport to bring materials on site. And we've made that into the building itself, and so it's a very um, beautiful concept. It's mm-hmm. something that. We're so excited about to show to people because 
Um, we haven't seen any playoffs out in the world that's like what we're doing, and it's a technique that we really hope um, others will see and, and, and want to adapt because mm. it's part of that concept of, you know, we, we have a responsibility to find a way for our, our children and our children's children to have a planet to live on. And we think that we have uh, not the solution, but we, we're trying to show that there are solutions out there, and we hope people come and see that. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, can people book now for future dates? We're not quite ready to take reservations, um, but people can go to the website. They can sign up for our newsletter, and um, then we will send out information about when we're ready to book uh, to them uh, as soon as we are ready. Perfect. Uh, and that website is Kanua Lodge. It's spelled C A N N. UA.com and Nathan Rogers is the co-founder of Kanua Lodge. Uh, appreciate your insight, Nathan. Good luck with your opening. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And again, just want to welcome everybody down. Uh, we're, it's a beautiful place and uh, you won't be sad that you came and, and saw what we have to offer. Well, one place that's always intrigued me was the island of Bermuda. It's kind of stuck out in the middle of the Atlantic all by itself, unlike the chain of islands in the Caribbean. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to find out what it's like to spend a week or so in Bermuda. So to help us out with that is Kevin Dallas. He is the CEO of the Bermuda Tourism Authority. Their website is gotobermuda.com. Hi, Kevin. Hello, sir. Uh, I was just looking at your website. I love the invite. Come on down from Canada. Winter wonders and warmer temperatures await. So you you certainly uh, found your market when it comes to uh, looking for people to come to Bermuda, haven't you? I think that about sums it up, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, uh, if we do come down from Canada, first of all, let's start with the basics. Um, uh, Where is Bermuda? I know it's on... Uh, east of the uh, east coast of North America, but let's be a little bit more specific. And more importantly, what's the easiest way to get there? All right. Well, Randy, you are uh, you are you are more aware than most. I think most people think we're we're in the Caribbean, but Bermuda is actually closer to New York City than we are uh, than we are to the Caribbean. So we are 700 miles off North Carolina, which is just a, a 90 minute flight from New York, uh, or two and a half hours from from Toronto. Um, so we are uh, we are considerably further north and east than most people think we are. Our uh, our subtropical climate comes from the fact that we sit in the middle of the Gulf Stream. So Bermuda is much much warmer than any anywhere else that is this far north. Mm-hmm. For uh, for those of you who are trying to get to us from Western Canada, um, it's a, it's an easy connection through Toronto or through any of our other northeastern gateway cities. So New York, Newark. Boston, Philadelphia, mm. um, all have daily service uh, to Bermuda. So it is easy to get there, get to the East Coast, and hop over from there, right? That's right. Actually, yeah. I mean, I think for many travelers coming from Western Canada, we'd actually be, uh, we're actually closer than the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now tell me a little bit about the island itself. Where would I fly into? And, and once I'm there, be my tour guide. All right. So, <laughs> yep, we always get questions from visitors like, which airport should I fly to? Um, Bermuda is only 21 square miles. We only have uh, one. We have one. <laughs> I was about to say one international airport, but we actually only have one airport, which is uh, on the eastern end of the island. The uh, the island is uh, long and thin, so it's 21 miles long 
and on average only a mile wide, um, it uh, widens out in some places and it's even narrower in others. Uh, one of one of our resort hotels here, actually one of our two Fairmont properties, is actually large enough that it touches both the north and south coast of Bermuda. Um, Bermuda is a, a British overseas territory, so we are actually the oldest surviving British territory uh, in the New World and in the in the uh, in the Northern Hemisphere. Mm-hmm. So we were first first uh, first settled in 1609 and permanently settled in 1612. So just after uh, just after Jamestown, and uh, we've been here we've been here ever since. So Bermuda was. Uh, Bermuda was in many ways the the birthplace of um, modern kind of luxury travel in the early 20th century. So Bermuda became kind of the glamorous and it place in the first half of the 20th century and then really reinvented tourism for mass travel in the the 60s and 70s. We then uh, sort of forgot about tourism for a long time. So Mm -hmm. Bermuda dropped off uh, many people's radars. It's... uh, it's, I think, a well-known fact that Bermuda is uh, is a nice place to visit, but it's also the uh, the global home of the insurance markets. So for many years, Bermuda was more preoccupied with international business than we were with tourism. But uh, in the last couple of years, I, I'm pleased to say that visitors have been have been rediscovering Bermuda, and in particular, what we find is that a younger, more experiential visitor who is Looking for uh, looking looking for a nice warm holiday, but looking to go somewhere that is genuine and has a real and unique culture and history mm-hmm. have been uh, have been rediscovering Bermuda and finding that it's uh, it's a place they really like. So over the last couple of years, we've seen double digit increases in visitors uh, every year, including uh, including our visitors from Canada. So we are. Uh, we're delighted to welcome visitors out here year-round. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm assuming uh, being like a Caribbean island but not in the Caribbean, uh, the activities are similar when it comes to water sports and recreation and those types of things, right? Yeah, so because of because of our location, Bermuda is actually in some ways counter-seasonal to, uh, to the Caribbean. So while the Caribbean high season is, is in the winter, you know, Bermuda's, Bermuda's peak is, is in the summer. So, you know, if you come out here during our summer months from uh, from May until September, you find that, uh, yeah, it certainly has many of the same attributes that you would find in a, in a Caribbean vacation. We spend, uh, we spend a lot of time out here, out in the water. Mm-hmm. Um, one, of, uh, one of my favorite things to do with visitors is actually take them on a we we may be the only place in the world that has something called a jet ski safari, <laughs> so you can uh, leave straight from your from your hotel dock and go out by go out by jet ski and uh, swim the turtles, see the fish, visit a shipwreck, find a secluded beach, and uh, then head back to your hotel all all in one afternoon, which, nice. is, uh, which is a pretty cool way to spend a day. No kidding. Um, but uh, that's our that's our summer. Bermuda really has. Four distinct seasons. We think it's uh, it's a great place to visit year-round, but for uh, for different reasons. So, obviously, you know, here in here in February, it's uh, it's a little cooler. So during the kind of the winter months of January, February, and March, the the temperatures around uh, 70 degrees or 21 Celsius, if uh, if you think in that that funny scale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's uh, so it's not it's not. Uh, 
it's not necessarily beach weather, although for a, for a hardy Canadian soul it might be. Mm-hmm. But uh, for us, this is perfect golf and tennis weather. Um, this is a fantastic time of year to be out uh, horseback riding or riding on, uh, on one of our many trails. So Bermuda, Bermuda was actually before its time in the, uh, the rail-to-trails movement, so the old Bermuda Railway ceased to exist in the 1940s, but the trail still runs end-to-end through some of the most beautiful vistas on the island. Interesting. And uh, so that's a really great thing to do at at this time of year. Um, By the time you get to kind of April and May, you know, the the weather's warming up, so the temperature will be in the the mid-70s, and folks are starting to... uh, to reappear on the on the beaches, it's a it's a little windier at that time of year, so it's a great time of year for uh, for sailing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the weather is still cool enough for those outdoor sports and activities as well. So, one of the biggest things that uh, that goes on at that time of year out here is that Bermuda is actually home to an ITU World Triathlon Series event. Mm-hmm. So, started started last year, but uh, every year. We now have a we now have a triathlon that the whole island comes out to support, and uh, that's around the end of April. So anyone interested in that, it's April. I think it's April 27th this year, um, but it's a pretty fantastic event, and it's exactly the the kind of thing that I think is great to do at that time of year here. Um, and then finally in the fall, so you know, sort of from uh, from from September really through until Christmas. You know the temperature will still be in the in the high 70s or low 80s during the day, and the water is still really warm as well. So the water will still be in the high 70s. Hmm. So it's a really nice time of year out here because the the humidity drops out of the air. It's a really great time of year for for alfresco dining, um, but it's also warm enough that uh, that many people are are still on the beach and and in the water as well. Do you still uh, do you get affected by hurricanes as much? And uh, with that, what's the water like since you're in the middle of the Atlantic, pretty much? Mm-hmm. So Bermuda's um, Bermuda's a pretty because Bermuda is a pretty small place. The the chances of us hit, being hit by uh, by any one hurricane are are pretty slim. But uh, we do have we do have hurricane season out here. Because there's uh, because there's nowhere to evacuate to, everything in Bermuda is built to withstand a Category Five mm. hurricane. Yeah. So we we've never had the kind of devastation that you uh, yeah. that you unfortunately see from the news. We certainly we certainly feel for our uh, for our southern neighbors when when those things happen, and we actually lend our assistance as well. Mm. But because Bermuda is a relatively affluent place. And because of our uh, our really strict building code, Bermuda is actually a pretty safe place to be in a hurricane. Nice. Well, it looks like a beautiful place. Against the uh, again, the website is go to bermuda dot com. I would love to. <laughs> I'm sure many Canadians in the winter are thinking thoughts is exactly like that. But uh, Kevin Dallas is the CEO with the Bermuda Tourism Authority. Uh, thanks for your insight, Kevin. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Randy. And we hope to see you out here sometime soon. And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. I want to thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, take a minute, rate the show, leave us a review, and tell a friend about the podcast. And if you want to drop me a line, my email address is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler, or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.com.